Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me as we break down all the market action, it's Tuesday, Ryan Huang. Good morning. Good morning. How's your morning going so far? Not so great, Ryan. I'm feeling the raspy throat. Both my parents have COVID. Uh, Good thing you've got some time off coming up. I know, but this always happens. My body (laughs) knows now is the time to get ill. How many times have you had COVID? Uh, Once. (laughs) I think that's enough for me. (laughs) Me too. Fingers crossed that I'll be A-OK. All right, let's start this morning once again in Hong Kong, where the embattled property developer Chinese Evergrande has received an unexpected reprieve. Now, yesterday, we talked about this on the show. It seemed quite likely that a Hong Kong judge would order the liquidation of China Evergrande, who's... Inability to pay debts has set off a major housing market crisis over in China. Uh, has been going on for about two years now. However, Judge Linda did not order China Evergrande's winding up. Instead, she gave the company two more months to work out a deal with jilted foreign investors. Do we know what prompted Judge Chan's change of heart? Yeah, a bit of a surprise. We were all waiting for what will happen from the ruling that ruling will not happen till the end of next month. So it seems like one change was all it took, which was how the original petitioner, the one who was filing for it to be liquidated in the first place, decided, hey, it's not that urgent after all. Uh, so this is where there's a slight change in position. The person who sued the company is looking to liquidate it, but not as urgent as before, not actively looking to liquidate it. So giving the case a bit more time to play out. So I think it's probably going to see Evergrande go back to the drawing block to try to figure out if they can reach a deal. So this is a surprise because everyone's waiting for this to take place. But last minute, one of the creditors decided that was not the case. And it's worth noting as well, not all creditors are on the same page. Um, So you've got another group of creditors who were looking forward to this And they were taken by surprise as well. And they said if they knew this would happen, they would oppose that change in position from the um, person who sued Evergrande for liquidation not to have that adjournment. So there was a lot of confusion, a lot of um, new surprises for lawyers as well. Yeah, the change in mind from the petitioner came just 15 minutes before uh, the court was going to get together again. So quite a surprise. And this petitioner, remember, just 18 months ago was so desperate to be paid that he basically paid to sue Evergrande to be dismantled. Hmm. A lawyer for the company told Judge Chan yesterday this particular petitioner was no longer actively seeking a liquidation, but there are others who would likely still see China Evergrande dismantled. It's going to be a difficult task, though, considering that the company has thousands of subsidiaries. In the meantime, China Evergrande is coming under attack by a research firm which is accusing it of artificially inflating revenue figures. Evergrande denies the charges. So what's the latest here? Yeah, it seems to be no end to the problems for Evergrande. So now you've got someone saying, hey, your numbers are not looking right. And this is GMT Research. So according to them, Evergrande has been inflating revenue and profits for years. So this is with the practice that's quite common when it comes to creative accounting, bring forward some of the revenue numbers from future years. So a bit of adjustment there. Mm-hmm. And this is 
with how they've been recognizing revenue from property sales. And based on their estimations, this means about 27% of Evergrande's entire revenue since 2004. Um, that is something that they will have to reverse. And this is 27% of revenue of around $93.74 billion. So there is quite a substantial amount that needs to be reversed if GMT research is accurate based on their report. But the response has been fast. Everyone says this is not correct. And I think they are trying to come up with a fuller response in time to come. China Evergrande's finances have really been under scrutiny for some time and its chairman and founder, Hui Ka Yan, is under investigation by Chinese officials. China Evergrande shares are still traded over in Hong Kong. They are down 85% since the start of the year. However, they rallied nearly 10% yesterday on news of the two-month extension. I'm going to turn to US markets now where Wall Street lost ground overnight ahead of some key reports on the jobs market this week. Tech stocks, they were the worst performers. The Nasdaq fell 0.8%. The S&P 500 dropped by more than half a percent, while the Dow finished marginally lower. Now, while stocks are pulling back, cryptocurrencies and precious metals have been rallying the price of gold, top 2100 US dollars an ounce over the weekend. That is its highest intraday price on record. Bitcoin, on the other hand, jumped to 41,000 US dollars per token. So why are gold and Bitcoin in rally mode, Ryan? Yeah, so a couple of things playing out here. One is what's playing out for interest rates. Typically, when rates go down, and that's right now the expectations of the coming months, gold prices go up. And we saw gold prices hit a record high of above $2,100 an ounce, a bit of a retracement in the past 24 hours, but still quite elevated. And if you look at Bitcoin, that is also hitting record highs, $42,000 in the past 24 hours. So in that session, up 5.3%, and in the past year, up 146%. And here you've got not just rates, painting a picture of perhaps um, a more conducive environment for risky assets, but also anticipation of Bitcoin ETFs to be approved in time to come. So more mainstream adoption will support the fundamentals, so to speak, of Bitcoin prices. And so a lot of it does seem to boil down to interest rates and expectations about how far those rates will fall. Never mind that Treasury yields actually rose a little bit overnight. The yields on the 10-year Treasury note currently around 4.29%. Now back to Bitcoin, because I know you want to hear about it. Bitcoin prices have soared 145% since the beginning of the year. Now you may recall that back during cryptocurrency's last rally, the Central American nation of El Salvador became the world's first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. And after doing so, the price of Bitcoin plummeted. So after this recent rally, the question is, how is El Salvador's Bitcoin portfolio doing now? Yeah, as you expect, the rally is helping Bitcoin owners like El Salvador. Mm -mm. So much so that the president has tweeted, that their portfolio is now in the black. So good news for them because he was under some pressure, some scrutiny, some criticism that you know, they took the wrong gamble. And of course, we had a crypto winter and Bitcoin prices were down. Everyone's laughing at him. But now he's got some reprieve of sorts because it's profitable now, at least on paper. 
So his portfolio is up 2.84%. Not super, but at least it's not in the red. Yeah, we'll see who has the last laugh, yeah. El Salvador's President Nayib Bukele boasting on social media about his decision to buy Bitcoin, noting they're black back in the black. And he adds, El Salvador has no intention of selling off now. Let us head back to equity markets this morning, everybody. While blue chips fell overnight, small cap stocks added to the recent rally. The Russell 2000 index rose 1% overnight. It is now up more than 8%. Over the past month, this rally has some observers warning of a so-called dash for trash as investors shun the S&P 500 in favor of riskier investment. Why on earth is this happening? Yeah, I suppose you could say you've got folks trying to find value, mm-hmm. you know, in quotation marks, and they've seen many stocks do well in the past um, year or so, the bigger stocks. Now they're looking to the smaller stocks for some action. And this has been reflected in the likes of GameStop, one of the poster childs of meme stocks in the past few years. Well, they are up in the past five sessions by 28.4%. And this is really a reflection of, I guess, speculation, risk appetite coming back into the scene again. Mm -hmm. And of course, going into the end of the year, typically you've got a lot of people with extra cash, feeling a bit flush from bonuses, spending, mood, so on. So that could continue to support this rally. Yeah, so the dash for trash could mean meme stocks continue to be back in favor for a while. For example, AMC Entertainment jumped 9% overnight. If we just look at how they did overnight, GameStop did even better, climbing nearly 11%. Next up, let's look at director deals. Now, normally when we talk about directors buying and selling their own companies, we focus on locally listed stocks. But today it is an exceptional day. The company that I have in focus is one of the world's biggest tech companies and the person trading shares is one of the world's richest men. And if you guess Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook's parent company, Meta, well, well, ding, ding, you are correct. So, Ryan, is Mark Zuckerberg buying or is he selling Meta mm-hmm. shares? Yeah, so it is selling. Not great news if you're an investor because you might be wondering what's going on? Why is he cashing out in that sense? So here is where he sold for the first time in two years. And this is to the tune of $185 million. He had a pretty big stake of around 13% at the end of last year. So I'm sure he's still got a lot of uh, skin in the game, so to speak. Uh, but all in, it does raise a few question marks why he is doing it right now, why he didn't do it before. Is this a sign of more to come? Mm. But I suppose you could maybe think about, you no, know, Christmas is coming up. He needs some spare cash for <laughs> a nice present for his wife and his friends and his family and so on. You no, know, spread the love. Maybe that's why he's cashing out. <laughs> shares of Meta have climbed 165% since the start of the year. The stock share price is approaching its record high, which was set back in 2021. So, what do you think? Could this be a good time to cash in on Meta? Yeah, it's got a pretty good run. And if you look at where things are going, maybe it is a good time to take profit and it all comes down to value. What is your time horizon? If you think metaverse and all the meta vision goggles will come into play soon enough, then maybe you can wait for it. But 
Um, it's going to take a long time if you can wait it out. But otherwise, the question is, can you find value elsewhere in a shorter duration? And that's where maybe you can look at some of the stocks that have not done as well, as fast as Meta. Mm -hmm. Some of the lesser-known talked-about stocks maybe could come into play next year. Uh, I think this is where investors have to start digging a bit deeper beyond the Magnificent 7 to find value. Of course, we've seen a huge jump in these big tech names. So something to think about. Maybe it's time to rotate within the tech space for better value. Interesting. Wouldn't we all love to know where Mark Zuckerberg is putting his uh, proceeds from the first Meta shares uh, sale in two years that he's made? I would. All right, time for corporate news. Let's do it up or down style and start with the app I cannot live without, Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, where you can catch all the podcasts by Michelle Martin. Well, they are cutting jobs. 17% of their headcount. That's around 1,500 people. And this is not the first time. And this after it already cut 600 jobs back in January. Mm-hmm. And then you had 200 more in June. So all in, it reflects how they are really right-sizing or cutting down the company into a more efficient ship. And it's also reflective of the wider tech space, not just Spotify. You've also got Twilio cutting 5% of jobs. Uh, Many other companies in the mix as well. LinkedIn recently has been laying off people. So we were thinking, hey, the earlier part of this year, we saw tech laying off lots of jobs. It's the worst over... Maybe it is, but we are still seeing some signs of these um, job reductions. Yeah, let's take a closer look at those job reduct numbers. So Spotify laying off 1,500 people, that's nearly 20% of its workforce. Now, investors appear to really like these cost-cutting measures, particularly as Spotify has really struggled to consistently turn in a profit. Spotify shares jumped 7.5% overnight. Still, I think the retrenchments are a bad look, so I'm giving Spotify a down this morning. Next up, let's look at the cloud communications platform Twilio. Alright, so another company cutting jobs, so it's a down for me, laying off 5%, around 300 people, and it is a game of efficiency. So they've cited how some units, some divisions have been underperforming, so they are going to focus a bit more on its other parts of business. What has not been performing has been its data and applications business. So it's also under pressure from two activist investors Mm. who are trying to make it more efficient and maybe try to push for a divestiture of that business. So it's trying to get the right size, get costs optimized, perhaps as a lead up to a potential scenario on the front. Mm -hmm. So Twilio is uh, going through the motions are going through the works of cutting jobs as like many other tech companies. Let's look at the numbers again. Twilio retrenching nearly 300 people. That is about 5% of their workforce. And the second time this year that Twilio has trimmed its labor force, I'd say that is a down. Ericsson versus Nokia. Yeah, it's one that's up, one that's down. Bad news for <laughs> Nokia. Good news for Ericsson. AT&T has chosen Ericsson for uh-huh. its new 
US telecom network. So it's good news, bad news for Nokia. So this is around the so-called Oran technology, Mm -hmm. which will cover 70% of AT&T's wireless traffic in the United States by the late part of 2026. So Open Radio Access Network or ORAN is where it's supposed to help telcos cut costs by using cloud-based software and equipment. AT&T planning to build a new telecom network in the U.S. at the cost of some 14 billion U.S. dollars. And yes, it is chosen to work with Ericsson over Nokia. So that is definitely an up for the Swedish telecom company Ericsson and a down for the Finnish one, Nokia, where I bought my first phone from. All right, let's look at Birkenstock. All right, Birkenstock is and up because it's price, its share price has finally topped its IPO price. If you've been following the Birkenstock stock, it has been not doing well. So it opened under IPO price of 46 at, 40, at 41 and finally it's managed to regain some of the lost ground to finally break above that point. Look at that. Who would have thought? The buy everything rally. Remember, we talked about this earlier. It seems to be actually helping shares of Birkenstock, which is finally trading up above its IPO price for the first time since October, by the way. Only time is going to tell whether Birkenstock's rally is part of this dash for trash trend. But for now, at least, I will give the sandal maker an up. Vanda Pharmaceuticals is next. Okay. This is going to be an up for me because the US FDA has accepted a new drug application for Vendor Pharma. Mm. So it's good news for it as it perhaps will see new revenue streams as early as next year. Exactly. So this new drug application for Vanda Pharma is for the treatment of gastroparesis. That's a disorder and it causes paralysis of the stomach. So this is really significant for a lot of people suffering out there. Vanda Pharma says some 6 million in the U.S. suffer from this condition. And the FDA's approval of Vanda Pharma's application, definitely an up in my book for the drug maker. Our last entry this morning is a locally listed electronics company. They're called GP Industries. Okay, so this is an up for me because it has received support from a majority of shareholders at its extraordinary GM or general meeting. Mm -hmm. And this is to alter the objects clause and adopt a new constitution. So it will give the company more leeway, more flexibility, full capacity to undertake any business activity and transaction. So all in, good news for GP Industries. Their share price has been pretty steady this year. GP Industries, by the way, has made a name for itself in the field of battery solutions, acoustics, electronics, but it could soon expand its portfolio of businesses, maybe shift focus altogether. Shareholders have approved a resolution to allow GP Industries to really undertake any business. GP Industries' share price has been pretty steady this year, but I think the new latitude could give it a boost, so I'm going to give GP Industries an up this morning. Let's check in on local markets now, shall we? The Straits Times Index finished down 0.2% yesterday at 30.84. Semcorp Industries was the biggest loser amongst the blue chips. It fell by more than 6%. On the other end of the table, Yangtze Jung Shipbuilding rallied 2.8% to regain some of its recent losses. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan Huang. And I hope you have a fantastic weekend ahead. You too, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg. 
or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.